Welcome to the Ginger Vets Be Good Golf Betting Podcast and a warm welcome to any new listeners and an especially warm welcome to those existing listeners that have been with us since the start of the Ginger Vets launch. Um, so a quick recap on last week. I hope that some of you were lucky enough to get place payouts on Adam Hadwin who was advised at 66 to 1 and also Lucas Glover, who was advised at a huge 90 to one. Uh, He finished in a tied for seventh, so that will have been a place payout with four of the UK sports books. And if you unfortunately played with some of the sports books that only pay out on five places, then hopefully you at least got Adam Hadwin home. Regardless, if you got one of them home, you returned a profit on the week. And if you got both players home, then you returned a good profit on the week. So that gives us three weeks in a row now where we've had placed players. Um, And it was actually looking a lot more positive last week. After day one, we had the first, second and third in the leaderboard, which probably will never happen ever again uh, in the remainder of the time that I produced these podcasts, but it was nice while it lasted. And my DraftKings lineup on day one was looking absolutely sensational. So let's hope for some repeats of that. And um, in this week's episode, I'm going to be covering off the John Deere Classic, which takes place in the United States of America. This is traditionally the tournament that takes place before the British Open that is taking uh, place at Royal Port Rush next week beginning the 18th of July. So this week I'm going to be taking you through the field, my thoughts on where some value lies, an overview of what uh, type of skill set will be required to win the John Deere Classic, the types of player that have historically gone well and I'll be giving you some thoughts on uh, DraftKings also. So without keeping you any longer, let's uh, let's get into this podcast and see if we can find that elusive winner that we are so close to. This week's John Deere Classic will require one thing for sure. So let's not beat around the bush because uh, I want this podcast to be short and snappy today uh, as I've had a bit of feedback they've been slightly too long. So The John Deere Classic will require one thing and one thing only, and that's birdies, birdies, a few more birdies, maybe an eagle, maybe an albatross, and without them, you have no chance. And when I say no chance, I mean no chance. The winning score at this tournament this week really, and I mean this really, could be 25 under, maybe 28, 29 under. It's a resort course, it's so, so easy for these players and despite the fact that it is a really weak field, the weakest field that we've seen for some time, a lot weaker than last week and the week before at two newly established venues, um, this course will still give up loads and loads of birdies. Um, A thing that I think might be underestimated on the course is that you have to be in decent form because you can't just suddenly turn up to a course and turn the game on. Yes, the course plays easy and does give up birdies, but that still means you have to be hitting your irons close and you need to be rolling your putts good. And the players that are in decent form tend to uh, come to the top of the leaderboard here at the John Deere Classic. 
and I um, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be putting anyone off some speculative bets this week. It is a wide open event, and let me tell you why. The person that heads the top of the market this week in the UK sports book is a guy called Victor Hovland. And for many listeners out there, you won't have even heard of Victor Hovland, and rightly so. It's only his fourth, yes, his fourth PGA start, PGA Tour professional start. And yet he's got off to a decent start to his career. But unlike uh, the other player in the field this week who got his first win last week, which is Matthew Wolfe, who is now also playing his fourth uh, PGA Tour event, he's available at 25-1. to 1. So the head the market this week in the John Deere Classic, we have Victor Hovland, who's available at 16-1 to 1 across the board in UK sports books, which is quite remarkable to think that on his fourth PGA Tour, tour start he's going to be uh, heading the field and favourite to pick up the John Deere Classic Trophy um, regular listeners uh, and, and, and friends of mine will know that um, I'm not somebody who wishes to uh, to dial in to people at such short prices with such little pedigree and um, although um, Matthew Wolf did get over the line last week those lucky enough to listen to the podcast two weeks ago, I did talk about these two who they were starting their careers in the PGA Tour at the same time. And uh, Victor Hoffland in week two, they both started around 50 to 1 on the first week as a pro in the PGA Tour. And in week two, following the performances, um, Victor Hoffland performed slightly better than, than Matt Wolf and was available last week at 175 to 1 compared to Victor Hovland who was available at 33 to 1. And that's where in golf you have such fine margins that are separating the top players in the world and and the players that are ranked maybe 150-200th in the world. Those fine margins um, are obviously uh, across all all assets and uh, of the game whether that be driving uh, putting approach play scrambling short game out the sand etc but uh, what what does happen in in golf is it's the consistency of the of the players that often determines their rise up the world rankings they're all extremely capable of putting together two three rounds where no one in the world can touch them and they are the standout performer and when you have a disparity in a player of 33 to 1 and 175 to 1 whose pedigrees you know unless you've followed them through their school careers their pedigrees are pretty similar to getting to this point and there isn't much in it and there certainly isn't 150 points difference in it um or 140 points difference in it, which was the case last week. So I did point this out. It wasn't a tip of mine. I'm not claiming that Matthew was the tip of ours or anything like that at Ginger Betts. He definitely wasn't. But what he was, he was discussed, and it was mentioned that Victor Hoffland at 33 to once following one good performance, 
and Matt Wolf uh, following one average performance was available at 175.20. May have even missed the cut without revisiting my uh, notes. I, I can't recall it all to off the top of my head, but um, that, that that's um, that's one of the reasons why we look to try and find value and we look to take on some of the favourites in, in the betting and this week perhaps will be no different at the John Deere Classic. So we're looking for a players that will score birdies, followed by birdies, followed by a few more birdies, as we've already stated, maybe even an eagle, maybe even an Alcatra Al Alcatraz, <laughs> that's in San Francisco, an albatross. So... Um, what what type of player do we want? We want a player that's driving the ball well. Tee to green performance is is going really well, and they're in go, uh, good current form. Because without these things, you're just not going to be making moves up the leaderboard this week. It is going to be a case of having to start quick, stay hot, get even hotter, um, and perhaps even burn yourself on day four. Because without that, you're just going to finish like you know minus fifteen, minus twenty under par this week might only get you a top 20 like genuinely might only get you a top 20 which isn't the case most weeks on tour so um i'm gonna now go into a market review and talk about some of the players that uh, i'm interested in and as to why unlike our previous episodes where we split this into different sections of 25 to 1 to 50 to 1 50 to 100 to 1 and 100 to 1 and above with the field being so weak um week this week excuse the pun then um i'm not going to do it that way this week i'm just going to bring to to light some of the players that i'm interested in this week some of the stats as to why i'm interested them in them and uh, ultimately give you some selections at the end of uh, of, of the podcast so um, it's going to be a slightly different format due to the fact that uh, the t like i say the tournament uh, doesn't quite demand the same kind of um uh skill sets that most uh, PGA Tour weeks will demand of the players. The field's really weak and uh, like the players are focusing on the final major of the year that's taking place at Royal Port Rush next week. That's the 148th Open Championship that's taking place at Royal Port Rush next week, which I'm really excited about and so are the players. They're having a week off and I'm having a change of format to freshen myself up for next week, which will be one of the busiest weeks we will be having 20 page previews on linkedin and other social media outlets so please do follow ginger bets and sign up to the uh, subscribe button and follow button on twitter instagram linkedin and youtube if you just put in the search in ginger bets um, then then you should be directed to us and give us a follow if you're liking uh, this content so far so yeah, for me, it's going to be a slight change up this week. Uh, trying not to keep you as long. Just going to bring to light some of the, the, the players that I fancy and some of the reason why, and also some of the possible lays and the, the players that I'm going to look to avoid and the reasons why I'm going to look to avoid them also. So, so let's get into that segment. So as I just touched on, at the top of the market, we've got Victor Hovland at uh, the best price, 20 to 1 in the UK, but more commonly available at 18 to 1. And he's uh, followed in the betting by Colin Marawaka. Marikawa, I can't pronounce it, so you'll have to forgive me. But he's followed in the betting by Colin, who's all of, also available at 20 to 1. Um, and then third in the betting, joint third, We've got a we've got a group of players. So Joaquin Neiman, Matt Wolf, Sun J M, 
Brian Harmon and Charles Howell III. So of that group there, um, I've, I've mentioned previously in the episode and in previous others that Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolfe, um, I might regret this this week, but traditionally off the back of a win, I just like to let them go, um, especially his first win on tour. His life's changed. He said this all over the media, Matt Wolfe. Um, you know, he's got a two year exemption now, which um, which takes him through to 2021 on the PGA Tour. Um, he's going to continue to uh, to be talked about, obviously, and his price is going to be considerably shorter than what it what it probably should be because of last week's win. But mentally, I would expect him to be taking the week off. Uh, his, his game will be in amazing shape. And the reason why I say I might regret this is because the course is so easy. With the game being in such shape, he might just be on autopilot and literally just be so dialed in that he gets off to a hot start over those first few days and suddenly he finds it within himself then to, to up the ante, the concentration levels, the energy levels for, for the weekend. So that is a slight concern with... Um, with not uh, putting them into the portfolio this week. But I just like to let players go when they've had a win. I just think that the emotion, the energy um, that's drained from them uh, will affect them. And also, last week, Matt Wolf was available at 175 to 1. He's now as short as 18 to 1. So, you know, uh, anybody who um, is regular look at at the golf markets we'll see like two poor weeks and you can you can drink unless you're a top top 10 player in the world if you're not then two poor weeks can see your price drift 50 to 100 points and two good weeks can uh, make your price shorten by 20 to to 50 or even 150 points in in Matt, Matt Wolf's case so of the ones mentioned at the top of the market, the one that I'd be most interested in at there uh, is uh, is Joaquin Neiman. I'm just a massive fan of him. And on a course like this, where birdies are the order of the day, Joaquin knows how to go to the well. He knows where the birdies are and he goes and finds them and he finds them a bit more and then he goes and finds a few more. And if he could put slightly better... He'd win. He'd have won. He'd have won a tournament already on the PGA Tour, and he'd go on to win a hell of a lot more. But a return to the bent grass greens uh, are positive for him. His performances over the last three weeks, when he when he gets hot, he stays hot, and uh, he's certainly dialed in. So, for those who were looking to make a play at the top of the market, Joaquin Neiman would be the one that interests me most. But the first player that's going to be making my shortlist and is going to be my first pick this week is going to be. And he was a pick last week. Is Lucas Glover, and what about like about Lucas Glover is, unlike Matt Wolf who went on to win the tournament last week uh, with a magical fourth round, may I add, Lucas Glover also shot nine under on day four uh, last week of, uh, of the three M Open, I think it was, and he um, he was actually leading the uh, he was actually leading the uh, tournament when he finished his round. So why am I interested in Lucas Glover? Um, well, I'm interested because it's it's a course that's going to give up loads of birdies and ball striking is obviously a quality that is required. And Lucas Glover, over the last 50 rounds, is basically gaining shots tee to green, ball striking, around the green, off the tee, approach and putting. 
so every asset of the game is firing and I like that in a player especially when they are, uh, are coming into a course where it's going to demand a hot start and it's going to you're going to have to keep that up throughout the week the other player that sit, that that um that sits in that same price band here is Charles Howell the third and he came under close consideration as well uh, but he, he just falls short in the fact that he's played at this easy track I think nine times now and he's only had two two top 20s his form doesn't quite strike me as on the upward curve that Lucas Glover's in and uh, earlier in the season everybody was getting stuck into Lucas Glover on the more demanding tracks and and he did perform okay, but he wasn't getting the place payouts even for anyone, never mind challenging that top of that leaderboard. I fortunately wasn't on board at those times, and he wasn't on my radar. Um, on a course like this, he just pops into it. Like I say, I expect him to, to score plenty of birdies this week. You're going to have to score between, to win this tournament, you're going to have to make between 25 and 35 birdies on the week. I can't see the tournament being won if a player makes less than twenty-five birdies. I'll go out on a limb and say I can't see this tournament being won if you can't make if you don't make twenty-five birdies or more. And Lucas Glover is the first player that I believe is capable of making twenty-five birdies or more this week. So the first selection and the top price of thirty to one in the UK will be Lucas Glover. Um, so uh, good luck if you follow. And if you don't, then uh, you might be a wiser man than me. The second player that's going to be of interest to me this week and is going to be my second selection will be Daniel Berger. And Daniel Berger is a player that I've had on my sort of radar, albeit he went off it pretty quick over the last few years, but since about 2015 16. It comes down to a few things. He is an amazing golfer, um, hence the reason that he makes his living on the PGA Tour. But there's a few things that uh, that have massively impressed me about Daniel Berger, and it's his ability in contention and his attitude. He's from a sporting family. I think his parents were professional tennis players. Um, I might be wrong about that, but I'm sure that, 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 he's, that one of, if not both of his parents, played professional sport. And um, that that is something that I see ingrained into Daniel Berger. He has a winning mentality. And when he's had the chances to strike, albeit only two PGA Tour wins, he, ha he has done so. And he's also threatened at some, uh, some really large events. He's in decent form. He's been the last 12 months, he's trending back in the right direction. He had 18 months in the doldrums completely, uh, where he just, his game was just completely gone. He's only taken part in the John Deere Classic once, uh, but I think he fit. I don't think he did finish fifth, and um, I think that's a pretty good performance. He's a birdie maker, that's for sure. He, he likes to um, he like he likes you know he likes to go low courses that go low. I think suit him suit him a lot, and. If I look at his game, he's he's gaining strokes off the tee. He's gaining strokes on approach. He's, he's gaining strokes uh, on uh, with his short game. It's around the green that he's struggling, uh, which he always has, really. He's never been the greatest around the green, uh, but he's been an awesome ball striker and iron player. And this week, on a course that's going to give up loads of birdies, he's available at 33-1. to 1. He's got winning pedigree. 
You know, he's got two wins in in the PGA Tour. Um, you've got Ryan Moore, who I think is a previous winner here. Uh, he's had three top tens here, available at thirty three to one. You've got Lucas Glover with his PGA Tour wins, his U.S. Open win, uh, regular in the top tens, all available at thirty three to one. And then ahead of them, you've got two at the top of the market, Victor Hovland and Colin. And like with respect to them, they've done it for four weeks. They've not done it for four hundred, like Lucas Glover has, and that's the difference. You know, as to why I feel when they're both in similar form and there's not much, and they'll be both desperate, you know, all these players will be desperate to, to get a W and answer their name. Uh, you know, the young guys early on in the career, like uh, like one did last week, and then these older guys, you know, it, it, it's important for them to, to reinforce to themselves that they are world class players and there's a reason for them to keep going to practice and uh, and put all their efforts into into this career. So my second selection this week will be Daniel Berger. The third player that I'm interested in this week, he's a favourite of mine, and uh, it's a matter of time before he wins a PGA Tour event. Likely that it will be an uh, event with a field that is less than world-class, so this week presents that opportunity. And earlier in the season, there was also opportunities in where he started to spring onto my radar more and the player that uh, that I'm interested in talking about is J.T. Poston. Um, he's got an amazing short game. His iron plays really good. His all round game's really good. And uh, earlier in the season, when the course the course scores are very low, he he was up there regularly after days two and days three in the um, in the leaderboard. I think he's friends with that that young group of of Spieth and Thomas and those guys. I think I think he's part of that clique. Um, and you know, them being far better golfers than them, I'm sure they they sort of spur him on to, to bigger and better. Excuse me, better things. Um, he's been a model of consistency really when I've picked him. He's come close to some large payouts for me in the past at huge odds. This week he's obviously a lot shorter due to the strength of the field, but. Is available at a best price seventy to one in the UK, and for me, for a player that uh, has got you know has gone low, he's gaining strokes tee to green. He's gaining strokes uh, with his ball striking. Gain, he's gaining half a stroke per round with his short game. So if it is required this week, you know, which you know it's not going to be a course that uh, is hugely demanding on the short game. But when you do miss the green and you are going to have to get up and down because bogeys are going to take you backwards in a big, big way. And that's a nice thing to, to have in your armory. And, uh, you know, he's very comfortable comfortable with uh, with his short clubs. And he's putting, again, he gains around half a stroke uh, throughout 2019 on the field per, per round. And in, on any given week in the PGA Tour, uh, putting is of paramount importance you know if the putter rolls hot then you genuinely do have a chance to win I think Matthew Wolf was gaining around three strokes to the field or two and a half strokes to the field last week with his putting for victory and you know obviously he won by one shot so you know it shows you that uh, in, in the rest of his game he might have been only gaining half a stroke but to gain two and a half strokes per round on the putting greens it's like 10 strokes over the course of the four days it makes a huge difference so and that's you know that can be said for JT Poston who's um who's who is gaining uh, half a stroke on um on the field with with his putting 
So the third pick this week will be JT Poston. The fourth player that I'm interested in is a slight uh, controversial one for myself also as well as potentially to listeners out there and that's Kyle Stanley. Um, Kyle Stanley is available at 50 to 1. So the reason for Kyle Stanley is that his form earlier on this season was awful. He'd completely lost his game. He was losing strokes more or less every round on his approach to the green, which is a strength of his usually, his approach play. He was definitely losing strokes around the green. And T to green, which is the strongest area of, of Kyle Stanley's game, he went maybe 30% of his rounds where he was gaining strokes, 35% of his round where he was gaining strokes on the field, where usually you'd expect that number to be double, around two in three rounds. He will go three in four rounds. He'll be gaining strokes on the field to around 75% of time, tee to green. That's the strength of his game, and it's usually the putting that has been his Achilles heel. The last two tournaments and going back to the start of June the first the first tournament that he the the US Open basically he um he's shown signs of a turnaround in his in his game his tee to green performance he started to gain strokes on the field his approach play he started to gain strokes on the field and those things coming together combined with the fact that this is a really weak event he would have been one of the players 18, 12 months ago, that would have been a priced up at that 16, 20 to 1 range in this in this field where Joaquin Neiman and Victor Hovland are. Because at the time, he was playing awesome, consistent golf and he'd just fallen short of winning a big tournament because because his putter just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't cooperate for him. So in a field like this where birdies are going to be the go, I'm going to take a risk on uh, Kyle Stanley to... To outperform him, you know his his current uh, state of play, to rekindle some of that uh, unbelievable ball striking that he has, one of the best in the game. You know, literally is the, one of the top twenty ball strikers in the game when he's on when he's on song. And uh, I'm going to back him this week to to redeem himself and to make uh, inroads in that leaderboard and perhaps get us our first elusive win. Uh, since we've been publicising all the bets that we make, or uh, at the very least get us a place payout and save that first elusive win for the all-important Open Championship taking place at Royal Port Rush next week. So my fourth selection will be at 50-1, to 1, Kyle Stanley. My fifth and final pick for this week, having taken four at the top of the market, or to the towards the top of the market, will be a player that uh, that not many of you will uh, have come across, but he's one that's uh, sneaking on my radar, having made five of his last six cuts, also two top 20s and three top 30s in that time. He finished 20th at the Rocket Mortgage Classic and 15th last week at the 3M Open, and that will be Roger Sloan. So... He's available at 125 to 1. A bit left field, but he's similar to players that, uh, that, are in, that are shorter in the betting. His profile's slightly similar. So, a player such as 
uh, Mackenzie Hughes, who's been showing a lot more consistency of late, um, been building uh, towards, you know, back towards his A game. Roger Sloan, obviously, he's not a household name. If there are ever going to be weeks where, you know, he can get a PGA Tour win and an ex, you know an exemption for a couple of years, then and also entry into the uh, to the British Open and or to the the Open Championship, should I call it, next week, and a chance to win the Claret Drill, then this is the type of week that he can do it in a low class field in an event that requires you to go low on a on a fairly easy layout. This could provide the ideal opportunity for him. Um, and why is he making the uh, picks for myself? Well, he's, you know, his strokes gained stats total. Um, he's gained strokes in seven of his last eight rounds. So I like to see a bit of uh, incoming form into uh, into an event like this. He's also gained strokes and quite a lot tee to green. Um, he's put in. I'm just checking now. He's gained, you know, he's gaining a lot. He's he's very volatile, and he's putting like if we look at last week in day four, he lost three strokes to the field, but on days one, two, and three, he was gaining two and a half strokes to the field putting, and that's not the first time that he's done this. He did that the week before at the uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic, and also at the RCB Canadian Open, where on occasions he was on rounds he was gaining two and a half shots on the field with his putter so that's something that i quite like in these uh, low class events uh somebody quite streaky bit left field but at 125 to 1 and 25 to 1 available for him to finish in the top eight this week uh with uh, some of the sports books in the uk i'm happy to make my fine Final and fifth selection, Roger Sloan at 125 to 1. So, to recap all of those picks, we've got Roger Sloan at 125 to 1. We have uh, Lucas Glover available at best price 30 to 1. We have Daniel Berger at the best price of 33 to 1. Kyle Stanley at the best price of 50 to 1 and JT Poston at a best price of 70 to 1. So they're the five selections this week. I recommend a one-point stake each way. Um, and you know, good luck if, you, if you're on. It's not a week to get too heavily involved with, I don't think. I'm not so sure that unless something pops out dramatically on any of the models that we run for the two and three balls um, the later in the week, that this will be a week where... I'll be spending most of my time preparing for next week's uh, 148th Open Championship from Royal Port Rush. Be sure to sign up to uh, Ginger Bets. Uh, like I said previously in the episode, if you're liking this content, then please do share it. Um, you know, we don't have um, fake Instagram Instagram accounts with thousands of followers and buying lots of followers on Twitter, etc. So we're looking to grow this organically, and it could be a slow and I hope not so painful journey. So if you are liking the content and you do feel that uh, it would help other friends and sports bettors, then please be kind enough to to share it about and share the name. Um, I'll be back uh, on Monday of next week with a full preview of the Open Championship. There will be a 20-page report covering the field, the players, the skill sets required, uh, current form, 
uh, a trend trend analysis all that will be covered in the document so please do follow gingerbets on linkedin to get access to that or land on the gingerbets.com website where we're hoping to host that live for you in a pdf format in the publication section so if you're not familiar with that please do visit the gingerbets.com website to get yourself familiar with the blog the publications and the podcast that will all be hosted on there and um, best of luck with your wages this weekend Uh, be lucky if you're not lucky be ginger and if you're not ginger then who knows but uh, thank you for listening i hope you've uh, enjoyed the podcast this week slightly different format because we've got less uh, less data to go on not a stronger field a lot of players that uh, have no uh, form whatsoever coming into the tournament so it's not one like i say that we've got too heavily involved with but nevertheless a winner at uh, 33 to 1 in the john deere classic is exactly the same as a 33 to 1 in any other tournament so uh, i will not be uh, disappointed if we're able to get one of these home I must also say that uh, if you are interested, I'll be bringing you a Scottish Open preview tomorrow, which won't be as in-depth as the uh, PGA Tour preview, as the statistical data that we gather for the PGA Tour uh, players uh, is far, far superior to that that the European Tour produce. And a lot of the betting insights and the models that we run are all from the data that we collate. So... You know, we're only as good as our data in that respect. And unfortunately, the European Tour aren't so wonderful at providing it. In fact, their website's awful, uh, but they have a lot of good things going on uh, in terms of how they run the tour and how they cover it on TV, which is actually far better than that of the PGA Tour. But in terms of a betting point of view and a betting standpoint, they're not the most robust for, for sharing and collating data, which is why that preview will be slightly shorter. But uh, so please do tune in for that. That'll be coming to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And like I said, don't be shy in signing up to to gingerbets.com, subscribing on all social media channels. That'll be LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Look forward to having you on board and sharing more of this content as the year goes on and hopefully getting you that first winning pick sooner rather than later albeit profit is in the bag which is the main thing so thank you for listening and have a great week and ultimately a profitable weekend thank you